1: This episode of Impact Theory is brought to you by none other than the incredible Skillshare. You guys know me, I am totally obsessed with learning. Learning is a thing that takes you from hopelessly average to being able to do something extraordinary with your life. And Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and more. I'm telling you, you can take classes on pretty much anything productivity, time management, social media strategy, Google analytics, the list goes on and on. So, whether you guys are trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or just work on your self development, Skillshare is gonna help you crush it. I wish they had had this when I was coming up, because I'm telling you right now, you've gotta become capable of the extraordinary. And the only way to do that is to take advantage of the human ability to adapt. Learn, grow. It's brain plasticity, but it does not happen automatically. You've got to go in and learn something with intention. So go right now to Skillshare. Join the millions, millions of students that are already there learning from those 18,000 plus courses. And they've got a special offer for Impact Theory listeners. You get 2 months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's insanity. Guys, I'm telling you right now. Pick that thing that you want. Set that goal. Get after it. Go to Skillshare. They're offering Impact Theory listeners those two months for just 99 cents. So go sign up right now at Skillshare.com slash impact. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash impact. Start your two months now and truly become legendary. Skillshare.com slash impact. Hey everybody, welcome to Impact Theory. You're here, my friends, because you believe that human potential is nearly limitless, but you know that having potential is not the same as actually doing something with it. So our goal with this show and company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you actually execute on your dreams. All right, today's guest is arguably the greatest beach volleyball player the world has ever seen. Together with her longtime partner, Misty May Trainer, they absolutely dominated the sport for more than a decade, winning 21 consecutive Olympic matches and three back-to-back gold medals, losing only a single set in their entire 11-year run as teammates. She is one of only two people ever to be a four-time All-American volleyball player, and she has an Olympic bronze medal to go with her three golds, making her the single most decorated female Olympic beach volleyball player ever. Not bad considering she's played injured and even pregnant. Her work ethic, unending drive, and raw horsepower have made her not only a fan favorite, but someone who has literally transcended the sport. She's been sponsored by some of the biggest and most well-respected companies on the planet, including Lululemon, Pampers, and The Honest Company, to name but a few. And she has become a household name not only for her unprecedented string of victories, but for her infectious positive attitude, grace in defeat, and unyielding determination. Even now, as she's about to turn 40, she continues to push the limits of both herself and her sport, and is preparing to make a run at an astonishing sixth Olympic appearance as we head towards the 2020 Games in Tokyo. Absolutely consumed by a desire to get better every day despite six surgeries on her shoulder and having appeared in her first Olympics before many of her fellow competitors were even born, she continues to be one of the most elite athletes on the beach today. And even though she hasn't even retired yet, she recently launched a platform and movement called P1440 that is poised to revolutionize the entire sport of beach volleyball. So please. Help me in welcoming the Stanford grad, mother of three, and one of the greatest athletes of our generation, regardless of the sport, Carrie Walsh Jennings. Oh, my
0: goodness. You make me want to go work out.
1: <laughs> that's the perfect reaction to that. Answer. Oh, jeez. Put me in, coach. That uh, is that is exactly it.
0: Man, life is so good.
1: Wow, that's, that's a-, a lot. That is a lot, and it was leaving things out, and I love that response, and I've seen you talk about that before, where it's like, you'll hear something in an interview, something that you did, and be like, that makes me want to go push harder and oh, do more. Shit. Where does that drive come from?
0: Man, well, I feel like I'm kind of preaching to the choir here with you know, self-motivation and this the intrinsic motivation I have to experience my potential and keep you know upping that. Um, I just love what I do and I love life and I feel like my life is so damn simple with regard to what I want. You know, I want great relationships, I want to kick ass in my career, and I want to stay connected to my faith. Um, and within those three simple things, like I live this really profound life and I don't want it to stop. Like I don't care the obstacle. Like I've had a lot of obstacles. I've had many more great mo- moments than obstacles. But I'm just i fucking hungry for more because I keep growing, you know?
1: You've talked about finding your joy. So how did yes. you do that? Because a lot of, like, one of the number one <laughs> questions I get asked is how to find that, how to find happiness, how to find passion. Yeah. So how did you create that, find that, whatever and the case is?
0: I was behind. born with it. I was certainly born with joy. It was um, bred into me by my parents. And I grew up in the most loving, unconditionally loving environment and supportive environment possible, truly. My parents are rock stars. I have uh, four siblings who are incredible, a million cousins and aunts. And I was just always taught like, and shown that life is meant to be lived with joy. You know, when you're do- doing something, what's the point of doing it if A, you're not going to win and B, you're not going to have fun, you know? And so I just feel like it's a bit of nurture and it's a bit of nature. And I keep creating and finding these environments where that's a constant.
1: So it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to actually cultivate it and create it in your life. In fact, I have a quote from you. Um, My weaknesses were exposed and it's a gift. And I thought, wow, that's like, I get it when you say that you were born into joy and that your family obviously did a lot to um, make sure that they helped you bring that out. But that, that goes beyond just like life is good and goes to like a really intense and it seems, cultivated mindset. Yeah. So what's been your process to get to the point where you can actually say the sentence in all seriousness, my weaknesses were exposed and that's a gift?
0: You know, I, I feel things very deeply. And like my experiences, I don't necessarily think really deeply about experiences, but I, I fucking feel them. And I know that through every experience, whether it's good and I'm triumphant, triumphant or bad and I'm exposed... There's opportunity in every single thing, no matter what the face of it is, you know, defeat or victory. And I've had just my life, I've lived a lot of contrast. And by contrast, that means obstacles. That means injuries. That means failures. That means, you know, I have heartbreak. Um, and within that, having lived it truly and like letting myself feel exposed and vulnerable and letting myself learn and be devastated, um, I've learned that there's fucking positives and it fortifies you for whatever's next and there's always something that's next you know i'm never going to get to a place and be like i'm here i'm done you know life let's call it quits like i'm i'm in it for the long haul and i don't care i'm going to be 90 years old on my way to heaven still learning because that to me is what life is about and so when i say that my weaknesses were exposed and there's strength in it it's i believe in it with all my heart you know i Like, when there's a highlight on you and it's the softest part of you and you therefore have to look at it and either train it better or figure out why it's weak or whatever it is, if you take advantage of that, that's a beautiful, powerful thing. Yeah?
1: Uh, I I really agree with that. And I don't know if you follow MMA at all, and I cannot believe I'm blanking on her name right now, but um, she was crazy dominant. She had the armbar... Like, she could just armbar anybody to death, ninja. basically. And she was undefeated forever, ever, ever, and it was just amazing. And then she lost in spectacular fashion, came back, and then lost again, and then just Ooh. disappeared. And everybody's like, she's never going to come back from this. And I don't know enough about the situation to like give a detailed account, but from the outside, judging by what she said in interviews, it was an unwillingness to face that it was entirely her fault. Yeah, that yeah. she just, there were skills that she never took the time to develop to actually yeah. get good at. So knowing that, I think that's a far more typical way, like looking at the amount that you won, the fact that you lost one set, one set in 11 Man. years is so crazy.
0: Austrian sisters. So <laughs>
1: this <is really> <laughs> but like that string of success does not set you up to handle failure well, and yet in failure you've. Been astonishing. Like, I know you deal with sports psychology a lot. Like, mm-hmm. what, how can you pass that on to anybody watching right now? Like, what's that? How did you process the failure?
0: Dude, I think it's just accountability and ownership of your part in any situation that is a failure. You know, myself on the court, I'm there to perform, I'm there to, you know, elevate my partner's play and our team play. And if I'm failing, then am I gonna blame her? Am I gonna blame the sun in my eyes? Like then I'm a victim and then I have no power. Same thing with relationships. You know, right before you came on here, I was telling you about my husband, we just got in a fight, and I always wanna take accountability of my shit, you know, and I'm mean, not allowed to cuss. I'm so sorry. Go
1: crazy. Go as crazy. the role model in me is. Like, Goggins Stop is on saying it. You like, did I yeah, was yeah. just
0: saying, I can't wait to you hear you nuts. guys together.
1: Oh, he was is, that he's fucking amazing. explosive? That was. <laughs> he he is. Unreal. I
0: bet he is unreal. But he
1: swears a lot, so you're all right.
0: I know, but there's something so pure and true about it, and I'll I don't give mean to sound, you know, unintelligent and ridiculous. That but
1: actually, sounds really interesting, and I don't want to derail you from your point. Sorry, but I will say that that you saying there's something pure and real like that's a part of your personality hopefully we can really explore in this interview because I find yeah. it fascinating. So I think of, and now I really am derailing you from your point. Please,
0: because I lost it already.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think of the mind as like a Pachenko machine. Have you ever seen those things? Okay. Mm-hmm. You drop a ball or whatever and it bounces around. So you start with a negative idea, whatever that's going to be. And then you you create all these um, points of positivity that that negative thing bounces around, and then by the end, it's turned into a positive thought. Another way to think of it is mental jujitsu. Okay. So, why I've seen now so many interviews on you, and I've seen you. One of the most fascinating things is to watch your talk about getting the bronze evolve, mm-hmm. and how you talked about it in the beginning versus how you talk about it now, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm and still I, working through it, and and I get that. And uh, the ability to be vulnerable. And to always be looking for the positive in something seems incredibly wise. Is that that intentional for you?
0: Man, no, I think it's how I'm wired. I think it's how I'm wired to see the positive in any situation. And I think I've learned the hard way that focusing on the negative is going to keep you there. You know, I'm a really big believer in the law of attraction. You know, what you focus on is what you're going to invite in your life. And just this past year, I've had a, since the bronze medal, I've been living in this kind of, really funky place of insecurity and like, am I going to let that define me? Bullshit, no. And then defending myself. And it feels really weak and terrible to me. And I want to go to a place where I can own that performance, own that beautiful bronze that is going to serve me for the rest of my life without feeling defensive. You know, but it still hurts my heart, you know, that I had that performance and that my performance affected other people. You know, that's the bummer of everything.
1: So how do you conceptualize the bronze as a part of a journey and...
0: Well, can I bring you back to why that, like, how that came to my life, uh, life in my life?
1: Please.
0: So, okay. So, I've been to five Olympic games. Four of those were like the most glorious experiences ever. Like where I was really excited about every day and I was in every day and living it and the relationships were so important and valuable and, um, you know, just in it and smelling the roses along the way and like living the defeats, but owning it and learning, growing. There was one Olympic experience, which was on the way to Beijing. Um, Misty and I were going to try to repeat and never been done in our sport, you know, to repeat a gold medal. So exciting. And I was only focused on winning a gold medal. And so day one of the quadrennial, four years out from the Beijing Olympics, I was only focused on four years from now and I literally could not be happy. I could not connect with my relationships, and I was so focused on the end result that I had a miserable four years. There was some joy in it because we were winning a shit ton, and we were growing, and the job of it was really fun. But I totally total lost connection with my husband. My friends, who I love, and I would travel around the world for two months in a row, and I would you know write them letters and be connected. Like, I felt connected to them, but I was so detached from them. And so having lived that experience to Tokyo, having won gold, the moment sat over, after the celebration's over, I'm literally miserable and empty. And my, my husband and I are hanging out in the hotel room, and we are so disconnected. And we are on this way down that was so sad and so ugly, all because I was only focused on the end result. And because, and I, it was hard for me to accept this because my people are sacred to me, and I, I honor them and I carry them with me wherever I go. That allows me to play free and be free in my dreams. Um, And in my ventures, but um, it was hard for me to be like, "Fuck, man, I blew this." Like I, Casey, I know how much you love me, but I totally took you for granted, you know. And so that was one experience that changed me forever, and I will never ever live for the end result anymore, you know. So fast forward to, to to Rio and having won bronze, it was a rad, you know, three years with April, and it was so fun, and there was so much great stuff going on. And having, you know, suffered a bad defeat and had a, had a terrible performance on the world's biggest stage on the way to go to the gold medal and losing that, um, in retrospect, I see why that happened. You know, I kind of created these monsters and things in my head that, you know, when you're feeling vulnerable, if you're feeling vulnerable and you've kind of created these monsters, the monsters going to get bigger in the crunch time. You know, and so I don't know if that makes sense, but I was so committed to living the journey in Reno, I, Rio. I lived the journey. I got a bronze devastation, but there was so much beauty in that, and that will always triumph. That trumps that one defeat, you know, and that will serve me kind of moving forward. But fuck, end result, focus is, it's great to have goals. I need goals. I need little goals on the way to big goals. But to only be focused on the big goal at the end, you're just going to lose out in life.
1: How do you find that balance, though? So you said that you, you felt like you were preaching to the choir with me. Um, about intrinsic motivation, and I I really think it comes down to success at a high level demands a price. And it's just a question of whether you're going to pay that price or not. Now, there are ways that you can structure your life, like Lisa and I. has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I build the company together, yeah. um, but that's not easy. Like, how do you, and now as you focus on 20, 2020, which seems... And correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you, you want to go out back on top. You want to get a gold. Of course. So how do you avoid <laughs> becoming overly obsessed yeah. and still make it worth going after? Like if it's just the journey, is that the right part of the journey? Or is it like really owning the gold is the point here?
0: The gold is the goal. I also want to win a gold medal every single way, every single day on the way to winning a gold medal in Tokyo. You know, and I, I feel like I didn't do that in Rio. Like, I feel like my heart was in it, but I compromised a lot in certain things and certain parts of my relationship with my partner. And in when things get hot and heavy, if you're not fortified together and totally aligned, shit's gonna happen, you know? And I take full ownership of that and I learn from that. And I'm gonna live that on the way to Tokyo. And if I'm doing something, I'm doing it to win it, whatever winning it means. And to me, I'm not going for silver. Like, I'm not going for bronze. I'm not going for fifth. I'm not going for the experience. I'm doing it for the growth along the way, absolutely, because I love growing as a human being. Um, And the relationships that I have that just get deeper and richer. And my life is so beautiful because of the journey to the games. If I fall short, it's not gonna be a failure. You know, I'm not going to talk like that. Like, if, like, fuck that. I just want to talk. I don't like talking about losing. It's part of my job is to handle the losses. And one of the points of contention with Mike Gervais and I, my sports psychologist, he's like, you got to talk about losing. Like, what if it happens? Like, you need to be prepared for that. I'm like, fuck that. Like, I've lost too much in my career. I know what that's like. It's not life or death. You know, I almost lost my marriage. That's a hundred million times worse. I've lost loved ones in my life. That's a billion times worse. This is just a game that fills me up so much that matters to me so much that's willing to risk and suffer the heartbreak if that happens, you know? And again, those losses and that exposure through losses, like I, it's said every single day, but it's so true. Like you just learn so much more. Winning and You know, winning like covers up a lot of shit, you know? And only like riding like in a feathered nest and perfect, it's bullshit. Like it's beautiful. I I strive (laughs) for that. I will never say like, no, I don't want the easy path. Like, But I want to earn it and grow through it. And that generally comes through the challenging times, you know? You know that very well.
1: Yeah. it's So now we're to that part of your personality that I hope we'd really get to. One of the things that listening to you talk now, it is so fascinating, the level of... You're not trying to clean it up. You're not trying to make it seem like something that it's not. And this is where I get frustrated with people, um, especially that now in the social influence game, like they want to make it seem like it's really clean. And my thing is, if you want to be successful, you have to hold two competing ideas in your head at the same time. And if you can understand, I want to win the fucking gold. I'm showing up for that reason and that reason only. But what I'm really here for is the journey. Like they're both equally it's true possible. and you yeah. have to know when to lean on one and when to lean on the other.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to this place in my life where people say like, you know, what are one of the biggest lessons you've learned? And to me, it's like not to compare myself to others because that's just the recipe for failure, right? I'm never going to be you. and never going to be as articulate or passionate to convey myself like you do. I'm never going to have Misty May's hand or her ball control. And I, for so long, I compared myself against the greats and be like, fuck, I'm falling short. Like I need to become them to become great, which is just bullshit. You know, and once I stopped, you know, honestly comparing myself and owning myself and being inspired by them and stealing all the best parts of them and making my own like that is so much more powerful, you know, and so I want to do that for the rest of my life. And I, I I'm not a literal person. You know, like, I think there's all shades of gray, and life is a fucking rainbow, and it's not black and white, and thank God, because I am, like, an in-the-moment person, and I could contradict myself from one to the next, but I'm not bullshitting. Like, it's my truth, and this is my experience, and I believe that we're always in flux, and we're always expanding, you know, so please take me with a grain of salt, but know that I mean my shit. You know, it's like this weird, like, there's so many dichotomies in me, and I feel like sometimes I'm nonsensical, but... I know what the fuck I want, and I know who I am, and I know that what I want is going to help me to become more of I of what I am.
1: Well, that's interesting. But so I see you very differently than I think you see yourself, and that moment that we just went through was really surreal for me because- Was it? I want you to imagine for Can a second- Can you feel
0: the insecurity?
1: Yes. Fuck, which I'm is, working
0: through it. Which is is
1: gnarly. Which is absolutely incredible, and I already yeah. know the comments that we're going to get on this. You're going to change people's lives with the way that you are, because yeah. what they're going to hear is- I want you to hear what I heard because it's what they're hearing. Okay. They're literally listening to Michael Jordan say, yeah, fuck, I'm never gonna be as good at Scotty as this, and you know, I'm never gonna be as good as, you know, God, I can't, Charles Barkley at that. Like that that is so surreal. Like, I get it, I understand it. Like, that's humans, that's human nature. We all go through that. But like writing your intro and realizing like you haven't won by a little, you've completely dominated the sport. And <laughs> like at some point, every athlete like comes to a change in their career where they're not a player anymore, maybe they're a coach, or like yeah. what you're doing building up the entire industry. Yeah. Uh, that's just the nature of the human body at this point in our evolution, right? Like yeah. it, it does unfortunately have a shelf life. And so for you to to still have those super like watching you makes you so accessible, because you have the same vulnerabilities and insecurities that we all have. But the part of your personality that is so special is your willingness to share it. And I remember the first time I was watching an interview and you talked about what you and your husband went through. And I was like, Jesus, like it was so real. Yeah. And there was like, there was no filter and I was so grateful for it.
0: Oh. I take great pride in that. Like I take great pride in the fact that my husband and I have literally been in hell together. And we survived it. And we worked our asses off on, you know, as ourselves individually and collectively. And yeah, I don't... I don't know. I, so, I'm really sick of being insecure. I'm fucking sick of it. <laughs> like, I uh, want to I want to turn this corner because I, I believe I'm enough. And I believe that everything I have that I need for life to make all my dreams come true, I know it's already inside of me. And this mental and emotional side of what I'm going through ever since bronze and this, like, kind of fucked up two years since then, it's been gnarly, you know? And so I'm trying to get my footing in an honest way. And I'm really trying to like focus on the positives. But in the past year, I think I was going to say this before, like I've been called out by two people I love so much by being a fucking liar, by how I live my life, because I'm too positive. And they're like, you need to be more honest with yourself and more honest with the public. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, I'm totally honest. And they're like, well, not everything can be okay all the time. And I'm like, if you think everything's okay all the time with me, what do you, like, what do you mean? Like, so you resent me or, or think I'm being dishonest because I put a positive perspective on things? Like, that's so unfair to me. But but it caused me to look in the mirror and be like, Carrie, like, are you full of shit? You know, like, are you really proud of that, bronze? Are you really in this for the journey? Are you, you know, are you walking your talk? And it's part of this kind of, like, weird shifting stands that I'm in where I have so much security and so much confidence saying, that's bullshit. That's who I am. I know that's who I am. But also being like, fuck, I need to do better. And I need to like grow from this and become more because it's feeling a little shallow right now, even though I feel this so deeply. Does that make sense?
1: Well, I'm going to push you on it a little bit. Um, So when you say that it feels shallow it feels shallow because that's what other people that you trust are reflecting to you or it you actually do feel like there's something deeper you could get to and you just don't have the words for it I yet? I think
0: I can go deeper and I certainly don't have the words for it yet. I think I need to go deeper by experience. You know, I think after Rio winning that bronze, I need to go and experience more competing, more life so I know that I'm still what I hope to be, which is a badass, you know, and I haven't really had that chance. Um, but I think also, like, like, my talking points and the way, I, I don't have talking points, but I, sometimes I feel like a fucking soundbite, and I don't want to be a soundbite. Like, I want to be a human being, and I really am, And but I need to, like, change what I'm speaking because it's not resonating as deeply anymore, and yet it's the only truth I know right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to you fucking all the time. I listen to Mike Gervais, Tim Ferriss. Like, I listen to amazing people and I'm really, I'm really trying to work on my vocabulary because again, I do feel so deeply, but my language is pretty surfacy. And I feel like life is so simple and that's the beauty in it, but there's so much profound things to express and experience within the simplicity that I don't really know how to articulate. You know? And I have really fucking hard moments and yet my face on social media is rainbows and sunshine because that's what I wanna to give to the world. I'm not saying I, you know, I don't have issues in life, I have plenty of them.
1: Hey guys, as you know, learning is the core of what we believe here at Impact Theory, and I am excited to announce that Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers and broadcasters. And as you guys know, I am obsessed with Audible. Because of them, I'm able to read a lot faster. They have a button on there that actually lets you speed up the playback of the books, which for me was exactly like being jacked into the Matrix. It also freed me up to read in what I call transitional moments, so whether it's in the gym, getting in the shower, driving, whatever the case may be, I was no longer tethered to a physical book. So you guys know, I read virtually Every book that I read on Audible, I'm a huge believer this is the most authentic relationship ever. And if you want to take advantage of this, just go to audible.com forward slash impact and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free trial and start listening. It is that easy. Go to audible.com slash impact or text impact. 500 500 to get started today all right guys enjoy learning with audible and be legendary I think the only logical place to go at this point is to dive into Bruce Lee to me the things that you say and, and I, I want to fully acknowledge you're saying it doesn't feel right anymore and hey fair enough but from the outside like I would literally point people at you and say do that like, do the, the raw vulnerability, talk about things that are wrong. Like you, it, it has never once struck me in the hours of footage that I've seen on you. It's never once struck me that you're trying to hide or pretend. No. But there is, as Bruce Lee has taught us, there is a lot of power in ownership, owning your mistakes, spinning it, seeing how it's not a limit, it's a plateau. You can burst through that plateau if you hold yourself accountable to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole book, um, I don't know if you've read it, but The, um, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, mm-hmm which is his book about martial arts and, and what he went through with the motorcycle accident and how everybody told him he's never gonna walk again and if he walked, he would never do martial arts and yet everything that we know about Bruce Lee was after all of that. Right. And so it's like when people allow themselves to too overly focus on the things that are wrong and that there is bad stuff in the world and all of that and all that's true, right. but it doesn't serve you. So my thing is, Like, start with your goal, what's your goal, and work your way backwards. Mm -hmm. And so, one, that's on my list of things to talk to you about, because I know that you you just said, I need to have small goals that lead to a big goal. Mm -hmm. And I don't yet see, and if you can help me understand, I don't see how overly focusing on how things really are bad would serve you in getting your goals.
0: It doesn't. I don't think it serves me at all. Like, I think it's just an experience to experience when bad things show up. But I'm, I don't want to focus on it. I want to learn from it and move on. Like I'm not afraid of my dark side. I'm not afraid of my mistakes. They still hurt me. You know, they drive me. Um, but I, I'm not a believer in that. Like it's a fucking choice to be positive. And you know, some days it's easier than others. And it's a, and, but it, you know, it's just, if I can be cynical and negative or positive and optimistic about the future, like I know what I'm gonna choose every single time. And it, it doesn't mean it's bullshit.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And and how often do you use sounding boards, whether it's a psychologist or just friends? How much is internal? How much is external?
0: <clears throat> I'm a yapper. <laughs> so, you know, and I, I don't have a ton of friends, but I have a really amazing group of core friends and I use them. I for sure use them. That's something that I had, had to grow into. Um, certainly, you know, growing up, I was taught to not complain, you know, just do your shit, make no excuses, and you know, take care of yourself. Um, And I think it's a beautiful way to grow up. But it really scared me from raising my hand in life. And now that I've gone through life and I'm a mother and I have three kids and a husband and I have all these things I'm doing, I know that you have to raise your hand and ask for help. And I know that there's so much wisdom in other people that you allowed them to bring to the table. So I use my sounding boards. Um, I'm so grateful for them. I'm never the smartest one in the room. I'm never the one who knows the most shit about anything. And so it's a beautiful thing in my life to have people that I trust, that are like-minded in the fact that we don't really believe in shelf lives. I believe that things are going to shift. I don't want to be a competitive athlete forever, but I believe my body can keep keep getting better in a lot of great ways. Um, And I believe myself as a whole human can keep getting better in a lot of ways. And my people believe that too. So on my tough days and my days where I'm feeling insecure or whatever it is, I look to you, I look to them, I look to my best friends, and they all kind of get me repointed where I want to go.
1: Yeah, I love that. I want to go back to what you were saying about your kids and how you grew up. So when you say that, I get super inspired, right? That I unfortunately I wasn't taught to like be hardcore and dig in, and so I had to learn that lesson much later in life. Um, what do you plan to teach your kids? Like whether or not, because I know the the question you get asked all the time is, you know, are your kids athletic? Are they going to you know yeah. go on to be champions? Like you and your husband yes. are both professional volleyball players. So, um, but how do you? I have I'll back up. I have a hypothesis to create somebody that good You have to find a way to put a chip on their shoulder and as a parent I don't know that I could do it, which is one of the reasons. I don't have kids because I want that level of success for them Mm -hmm. but I knowing what it takes what I fear it takes um, requires like a little bit of like the hard edge the figure it out the letting them fall
0: but life does that anyway, right? It's not my job, I think, to create that chip. Like, I don't want resentment for my kids, and I don't think that's what you're saying. But, like, I, I, my kids more teach me than I teach them. You know, I remind them to be respectful. I remind them to be kind the way they speak. I r- remind them that if they signed up for something, they have to finish it and they have to do it right. Like, I feel like that's my job, is to guide them in that way. But my kids, on the flip side of it, are reminding me to be playful, and to have fucking fun in life and to smile and to engage and be curious about learning about new stuff in myself, you know. And that, to me, is way more powerful and is going to serve me way better in life than the flip side of it. But my kids are rad, and they're good human beings. They're souls. They're so wise, and I just don't want to get in the way. You know, I don't want to teach through words, because my words are imperfect, and we all have our different definitions of certain words and vocabulary, I want to teach through example, through the good and the bad. And my husband and I are pretty transparent with our with our kids. You know, when we fail, we fail in front of them. When we fight, we argue in front of them. Which I don't know if that's the best, but they see us. And sometimes I see them looking like, "Are you guys going to make it through this?" You know, and it kind of brings us back to what's important. Um, but the accountability that my kids have given me is beautiful. And then I'm just trying, you know, I'm trying to bring out the lions and the kings and queens
1: inside of them. That's cool. It's a cool way to say it. So, what is the example that you hope that you're setting for them? Like, what are like three or four key attributes that <sighs> you want them to embody themselves?
0: Man, I think, fuck, <laughs> leading with love, I think, is a really beautiful thing. Um, love for yourself, first and foremost, and love for what you're doing. Like, you're never a victim in life. I don't. I really don't believe that. Regardless of circumstance, you can choose to not be a victim. And I would like to be an example of that. Being kind is never out of fashion, and it's never going to lead you astray. Um, Personal accountability is huge. I mean, my my parents were really like, if you're going to do something, do it the right way. Never make excuses, and fucking do it with a smile. Like, those are the three things in my life that my parents told me, and they modeled that for me. And if I could just hit on those three things with my kids, I think they'd be very successful.
1: Why do you think it's so important not to make excuses?
0: What's the fucking point? Like, again, it's kind of bring, it keeps you there and it keeps you weak and soft. You know, if you own it, then you're going to transform that whatever weakness, excuse, whatever, into something powerful. But if you make an excuse for it, you're just kind of accepting failure to me. You're not owning it.
1: I hear that. Yeah. So I want to go back to Bruce Lee because I never asked. What is it about Bruce Lee that you are so drawn to? You tweet that guy out do like I? almost I every know. day.
0: Are you? I do. I love him. I think just the essence of him is just so beautiful and powerful to me. Like he was just—he seemed to be so like unapologi- unapologetically himself, and therefore unfuckwithable, which is like what I aspire to be in life unconditional in his values and his principles, um, I just really like what he stood for, you know, and I think he is timeless. I just appreciate the essence of him because he was entirely human. You know, he's kind of like what Michael, what made Michael Jordan so incredible is the Michael Jordan-ness of him. You know, his skills were incredible, but fucking his heart, his soul is it. And he is untouchable with regard to the greats in any sport, I believe. And I would put Bruce Lee in that category. I would put Muhammad Ali in that category because it's there's something in essence of them that transcends everything, and they lived it.
1: Well, let's talk about that essence. So it's something that I find very, very interesting. Um, I have Jordan hanging above my fireplace. I don't follow sports at all. So when I say that that is there, not as a reference to sports whatsoever, it is to me a nod. I don't want to give you my answer. I want to hear oh, like what is please, what to see. you is the essence of Jordan? Like what made him the greatest of all time?
0: <sighs> to me, he showed up every single day with all of himself. All of himself. And the essence of Jordan was that he his soul was on display. Like, his vulnerabilities, his insecurities, his fucking power were on display every single day. I love that when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame, he called out all the haters, and he called out his losses. And I think that's so beautiful, because I know that he was so largely confident in his life, but I know those fucking haters tapped into the softest part of him and made him say, what if they're right? On his weakest moments, I know he had moments of that, like, fuck, what if they're right? What if I'm not as good as my stats show or whatever it is? And I, I know that allowed... They, he allowed that to fuel him and I love that he just owned it all fucking he had no apologies that's beautiful and he wasn't a dick like he was so confident and cocky but I, totally tolerable for me because he lived it you know what I'm saying Current, some athletes where I'm like ah that's a bit much you know like fuck but because he was so authentic do you know what I mean like Steph Curry to me the kid can do no wrong because he just fucking owns it and he's being true to himself and that's really beautiful He's consistent, you know. The masters are consistent and the consistent at the highest level. And it's not just about the performance, it's about what like the power behind the performance, which to me is a soulful spiritual thing.
1: It's funny that you ended on that as well because you said it in the middle, the power, his power was on display and it gave me the chills. Mm. But it gave me the chills not because of Jordan, it gave me the chills because of you. Oh. And your your wedding ring says six feet of sunshine, which it I think does. is very cool. Yeah. But the part that I'm responding to is the six feet, which by the way, I'm going to challenge. Either six, you're two in- and a, a bit. You, I'm I was going to say like, when we sit next to each other, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> this is six feet. Um, <laughs>
0: six, two and a bit, exactly.
1: There you go. That that I'll believe <laughs> that. And you, a lot of tall women try to look shorter and yeah. you definitely do not do that. And you play with authority and you play with power. And I think that Somebody who wants to live as an example, I think you're such an incredible example of what power looks like in a woman. Oh. And it, it is aggressive, it is dominant, it is forceful, it, it's no apologies. Mm-hmm. And what, what does that word power mean to you? Like, how, much, how important is that to you to pass on to your daughter?
0: Um, power, to me, is almost a dirty word because that's not what I'm after. Um, I love powerful, like, I love that thought. Um, and the gravity behind that, but fuck, man. I just, I think there's so much beauty in authentic leadership, and when people show up again with that essence, which I don't have more words to go more depth with you. I would love to hear your words about Michael Jordan and what made him great and his power, but, you know, I just think power comes from living authentically and, and being where you're at and always striving for more, and when I feel most powerful, I will be smiling And I will be going through for your throat with the sharpest knife I have. And I will be having so much fun and respecting you at the same time. You know, like that to me is beautiful. Like my ultimate, like the way I can respect my competitors most is to try to fucking crush them. Because I honor them. Like make me better. Bring, like what do you got? I'm going to make you better. You know, and that to me is a beautiful thing in life. You know, me showing up with all of me feeling insecure, like rambling, not knowing what I'm saying with you. Like, that's this is what I got right now. But I'm going to give you everything I got. You know, some days it's cleaner than others. But I think that's the fun part of life. And for my daughter, I just want her to be herself, which she owns herself so much. And I never want to change that. Same thing for my boys.
1: That's really interesting, especially as it relates to finding one's, you know, power, powerful, um, as you said, that's really interesting. So my breakdown of Michael Jordan, I'll just steal straight from Tim Grover, who was his um, strength and and conditioning coach. And he said, um, Michael Jordan has darkness and inside of him is a need to win that is so crushing that he'll do whatever it takes. He will suffer anything. He will pay any price to be great. And I'll say he'll pay any price within his code of ethics. I think it's always important to say that. Because for me, that is the truth. I will pay any price within my code of ethics to get what I want. And so I'm not going to step on people, backstab, lie, or anything like that. But beyond that, I will take myself to my physical limits, to my emotional limits, and beyond. And that, to me, is the joy. And I think that's why I resonate with you. It's like you... You can say in like the sweetest way possible, I'm coming for your throat with the sharpest life I have. Like, I love that so much. I wish I could talk deeper. But the thing is, I totally get it. And that's the fun, right? Like you, you want to play at the highest level and you want them to show up and play at their Mm -hmm. highest level. And I'm going to guess that it would hold no joy for you whatsoever if they let you win.
0: Fuck no. I'd be insecure. I heard this in a podcast. Um... This top performer, Toto Wolff, like Mercedes-Benz driver, I think Formula One, but maybe not. But he was like, "I'm, I'm always skeptical of my success. And that resonated so deeply with me. And I think that's probably the dark side of Jordan, where you have to keep fucking... You have this desire to prove and prove and prove, not to the world, like love you all but fuck you this is about me knowing that I'm good enough and I'm capable and having that sit well with me like it's amazing to be loved by so many like I'm so grateful to have the support that I have but sometimes it makes me insecure because it doesn't I'm like I don't deserve that like I need to keep proving myself and I think proving that statement like I don't want to have to prove myself I just want it to feel good within me you know a job well done is a job that feels good when you're done doing it you know regardless of the outcome um so, yeah, I, you, I we all have dark sides.
1: I love that. Man. That, yeah, that was incredible. And and I really agree about, I don't want to live there. No. Whether it's insecurities, whether it's aggression, I don't want to totally. live with either of those mm-hmm. things. But they are incredibly powerful tools, and I'm certainly not afraid to look at them, to see what they can teach me about myself, how can they help me improve my skills so that I can get better and push forward. It's a tool, right? For sure. Yeah. So... You've been an incredibly adaptive player, and you've talked about how um, my body's changed, it's still there for me. I really believe I can do this. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, even though there are, your words, a lot of miles on my body, yes. I've gained a lot of wisdom in that process. Mm-hmm. So, what does this phase of your career look like, and what is so important to you about P1440 and what's the plan <sighs> moving forward?
0: Well, you know, this next phase, so I'm on a parallel path. Like, I am on the path to Tokyo 2020. winning gold. I'm not even going to say ideally. The plan is to qualify. The plan is to win and have a shit ton of fun along the way. Um, The other path that I'm on is to, you know, revolutionize and repackage the way our sport is brought to market, beach volleyball. It's incredible. Um, And so I want to do both those simultaneously and I want to stay connected to my nearest and dearest because I never want to experience what I experienced before, which is losing touch with that which matters most are my people. Um, so those are three pretty fucking big things. You know, and there's a lot of scariness, you know, where I'm an entrepreneur now, like I'm trying to build this stuff. And I'm also want to live in my power and be better than ever as I compete. And I don't know how I'm going to do all this, but I know that I'm going to work my ass off. I know I'm going to surround myself by people who know what they're doing and who can elevate me. And I know that I'm willing to do what it fucking takes. I'm not willing to sacrifice my family. You know, like I, I don't really believe in sacrifices in my life because everything is a choice. The one thing that comes closest to that is my family time. You know, like I, I'm away a lot and I'm chasing dreams and I'm doing a lot of phone calls and I'm doing this shit and that feels like a sacrifice. But the other day I sat down with my boy and I'm like, babe, do you know why I'm doing this? Like, I want you to know, like when you're building something and chasing big dream, like it's not always going to be fun and playful and you know, I can't always do everything that I want to do but you were always there and you know, I'm trying to explain to him like kind of the give and take of life and taking the good with the challenging. Um, but fuck man, this next journey, like I, I love my sport so much and I want to leave it better, you know, when I check out than when I came in. And if I were to leave today, I couldn't say that. Like the top level of the sport is, it's not good. It's shanty. Like the kids are, it's a hobby. It's really sad, but the, underneath the top, it's the most amazing fucking gangbusters. There's millions and millions and millions, almost you know, nine hundred million people around the globe play volleyball. Whoa, that's incredible. Twenty five to forty million in the U. S. play volleyball. Like we are not a niche sport. We are Whoa. ginormous, but at the top, we're niche. So we would need to flip that on its edge, and in order to do that, we're creating this platform P fourteen forty. Um, and we're gonna like everything that makes the beach volleyball lifestyle so incredible, everything that the athletes do to live an optimal life with regard to health and wellness, personal development, um, you know, the music, the entertainment, the way they educate themselves. We're gonna have on on our event sites and then on our technology platform because we want to scale. We want people in fucking Brazil to hang out with us every single day. We're a go-to resource for them to develop themselves. And so um, selfishly, it's a way for me to grow my sport. It's a way for me to keep evolving and learning and growing and to give back to the world that which I'm so fortunate to have, which is experts on call.
1: And how are you learning because being an entrepreneur is is new for you so Fuck what are you applying to how you learned volleyball to being an entrepreneur?
0: Man, I, I feel like an idiot <laughs> every single day. you know I'm man I, I'm just everything that I learned from being a mommy and an athlete, being nimble, being adaptive, you know teamwork, communication, Um, perseverance, being fucking gritty for what you love, uh, taking the good with the bad. Like, all of these things are serving me very well. Um, Always focusing on what I want, not necessarily on the tough reality that is. I'm a big believer in workarounds. You know, in my professional career, I've only had to play with my left shoulder for a lot of tournaments. You know, there's there's always a way. And so I'm bringing that entire mindset to what we're doing on P1440, and it feels really incredible. The people we're doing it with is the most special part. And the people we're doing it for which is the current situation and players and athletes in beach volleyball and the next generations, like my children, that, you know, fortifies me every single day. And the 1440, I know you know this, but there's 1,440 minutes in a day, right? And I waste a lot of those minutes. I have it on my necklace. It's a constant reminder of how I want to live my life. So that's the filter through which we're going to create everything on our platform and on site. Like we don't want to waste people's times. We want to help you cut through the clutter. We want to give you a sensory experience. We want to allow you the chance to get dirty with us and to take away practical takeaways that you can implement into your life. You know, it's amazing to read. It's amazing to listen, but to experience and touch and feel and do like that turns into wisdom real fast.
1: I love that. All right, before I ask my last question, where can these guys find you online?
0: I think at Carrie Lee Walsh on most things. Social. Yeah. Yeah. You're incredible. Fuck, I'm sweating. (laughs) 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 This is crazy. I feel like I have so much to talk about and this was so fun and so gnarly at the same time. Just a little microcosm of life right here. No, it was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm trying to stall, I think, for the last question. (laughs)
1: All right, well, here it is. Not that you don't know, but what is the impact that you want to have on the world?
0: So I think my impact is that I certainly want to leave this world a better place. Um, And I I definitely want to inspire the world to own their lives. Like, literally, take accountability for your life. Create it. It's, It's only yours to create. You know, fuck everyone else. Don't be selfish. Don't be rude. Don't be evil. But if you create your life the way you want it, It's only going to be positive for the people that you love. So I think accountability, autonomy, and to live the 1440 every day. That's what I hope to inspire, and that's what I hope to live.
1: Nice. I love it. Yeah? Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was incredible. That was fun. Guys. Literally, you are looking at somebody who, in their sport, in every way, shape, and form matches Michael Jordan. I actually considered putting that in the intro, and I thought she would have a seizure, so I didn't, but this is what a living legend looks like. She has been so dominant in her sport, you can't even imagine, it is unparalleled. It's absolute insanity. And when you see that this is somebody that has insecurities, when you see that this is somebody who wants to be a great mommy, when you see that this is somebody who's trying to be a great wife, when you see that this is somebody that's going through all the same things you're going through, the greatest legacy she could ever hope to have, she already has, in my opinion, and that is to show somebody what greatness really looks like. It is not sanitary It is hard as hell. It is messy. It's a grind. It's a fucking joy. It's beautiful. It's unlike anything else to hold yourself to a standard that makes everyone else think you're absurd and then come back again and again and again and defy all expectation and believability. It is breathtaking to witness. It was an honor to have you here. And to me, the very point of life is to see how much of your potential you can actually actuate and use and do something with. And she exemplifies that better than most any human I have ever come across in my life. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Holy shit! Hey everybody, thank you so much for watching and being a part of this community. If you haven't already, Be sure to subscribe. You're going to get weekly videos on building a growth mindset, cultivating grit, and unlocking your full potential.